Well, today we are going to close out our series called Jesus Heals. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Heals. Do you believe that? Jesus is truly the healer this morning. We have spent the last three weeks looking at and studying what the Bible has to say about healing. And the conclusion that we have drawn after spending the last three weeks studying what the Bible has to say about healing is that Jesus indeed heals. He is our healer. And if you have missed any of these teachings, I highly encourage you to go online and listen to those because I believe that these teachings are foundational, that they are vital for your understanding, especially when it comes to receiving your healing. How many are in need of a healing this morning? Whether it's physical, spiritual, financial, relational, uh, emotional... I'm telling you, the Lord wants you to receive a healing today. And these things I've been teaching you for the last three weeks, they're foundational. They're, they're vital to understanding how to receive the healing that God has for you. In week number one, just to recap, we answered the question, is it God's will to heal everyone? And after looking in the Bible at all the places where Jesus encountered sick people, uh, the answer is a resounding yes, it is God's will to heal everyone. Everyone, you have to know that. Week number two, we looked at the powerful statement that Jesus made on the cross when he said, it is finished. That was not a cry of defeat. That was a shout of victory. He is saying, my part, my work, the thing that, that, that God sent me to accomplish, the mission that the Father sent me to do is finished. I have completed my work. And we looked at what that means for us, that Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done for us. And then how we need to learn to stand on that, which led into last week we talked about fighting the fight of faith. And that is holding tightly to what we've already been given in Christ Jesus. And learning to fight off temptations, learning to fight off sickness and disease that the enemy tries to put upon us or tries to steal from the healing that God has already given us. Today we're going to conclude by learning how to receive your healing. How to receive your healing. Now before I teach you today's lesson, let me review a key principle that we have been learning throughout this series. And you have to know this. If you're going to get your healing, you have to know this. And here it is. You've probably already written it down over the course of the last three weeks. Anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. Anything. Anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. Now, this will change your thinking. It will challenge your thinking. It will, it will change the way that you think, but I'm telling you, it's true. Anything. Everybody say anything. Anything that we get from God. Anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're probably thinking, well, then, Pastor, why do we pray for God to do things? That is a great question and one that we're going to spend some time answering today because I'm here to tell you, I think a lot of times the way that we pray negates or cancels our faith. And faith is how we receive from God. In fact, faith is our positive response to what God has already done. That's what faith is. It's our positive response to what God has already done. 
For example, how do you get saved? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, if you've trusted Him for your salvation, how did you get saved? Did God have to come down and do something for you at the moment that you called upon Him for help? Or did you trust in something that He had already done through the work of Jesus at the cross? It's the second one, isn't it? We got saved by faith. We received it through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. When you called upon the Lord to save you, God didn't have to come down and do anything for you. You trusted in what had already been done by Jesus at the cross. So once again, your faith is your positive response to what God has already done. Anything that you get from God is a matter of you receiving and not God doing. And what happens is when we exercise faith by trusting in what has already been done through Jesus at the cross, then His power and authority gets released in us and through us when we trust in that. And that's what I taught you last week about fighting the fight of faith, that you have already been made whole. You, you've already been healed in Jesus. But you have to learn how to fight off what the enemy tries to put on you and receive what's already yours in Jesus. Go with me this morning to the book of Numbers, chapter, chapter number 21. Um, and I want to show you a story in the Old Testament that I believe will help you better understand healing and how to receive your, your healing this morning. Now, when I say I want to show you an Old Testament story, you do, you do need to know this is an Old Testament story, but it is a story that actually happened. Okay, these are not just... They're not Bible stories that are made up. These, these things actually happen. But it's more than something that just actually happened. In the Old Testament, when you read about a story, yes, it indeed happened, but it's also a picture or a type or shadow of something that Jesus would do and accomplish for us at the cross. So when you, when you read it, and that's one of the things when we sing that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, God give us understanding that when we read the Bible, especially when we're in the Old Testament, that yeah, we'll see these stories, but more than just stories, we'll see Jesus in those stories. We'll see what He's done for us in those stories. And so keep that in mind as we read this. We're going to begin in uh, Numbers 21, verse number 4. Now, uh, this is talking about the journey of the Israelites. God had already brought them. We touched on this a little bit last week. God had brought them out of 430 years of slavery to the Egyptians. That's a long time. That is generation of genera after generation after generation of slavery, poverty. That's all they knew. So God had delivered them. And He's taking, this, taking them on this journey through the wilderness or through the desert to this place called the Promised Land. And we're going to pick up the story in the middle of this journey. It says this, verse number 4, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient. You ever grown impatient? <laughs> Some of y'all are impatient right now. But they grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God. And Moses saying this, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. God was taking care of them every single morning by providing food for them, but they got tired of what God was providing for them. 
Verse 6, very important here. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Now I want to stop right there. And I, matter of fact, I'm going to spend quite a few minutes uh, describing this and teaching on this. Because when you first look at this, it looks like, in verse number 6, it looks like that God can be a mean God. It looks like that God is he's fed up with the people, so He's going to teach them a lesson, and He's going to send some poisonous snakes. or Actually, it's venomous. I don't know why it says poisonous, but anyway, we're not going to debate that. So He's going to send some venomous snakes to bite these people, and some of them are even going to die. Now, that looks like a mean God, doesn't it? And how this ties into sickness and disease is because there are a lot of people who, were, who will point to this verse right here and they will say, see, God sometimes puts sickness on people to teach them a lesson. And this is something that you, you need to know and you have to understand this. It looks like that God is the one behind sending these snakes, that He's the one that's causing the harm, that He's the one that is being mean, that He's the one that's doing all of these things. Turn with me real quick to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 14 through 17. Here, here's what the Bible says. It says this, it says, "...in righteousness you shall be established." You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Watch this, verse 15. The Lord says this, Indeed, they shall surely assemble oppression, fear, anxieties, attacks. They're going to assemble around you. Watch this. Watch what the Lord says. But it's not going to be because of me. Okay, now this, this is very important for us to understand. Stand here. Because the Lord is saying, in other words, you're, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have uh, uh, attacks. You're going to have oppression. You're going to have uh, attacks of anxieties, attacks of fear, attacks of diseases. But they're not coming from me. That's what he's saying there. He goes on to say, Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now let me, let me stop and explain this for just a second. Something that we all have to understand is that thousands of years ago, specifically in the Old Testament, um, ancient people worshipped two different types of gods. Gods, plural. Two different types of gods. Two different kinds of gods. There were good gods and there were what were called evil gods. Gods that were recognized as bringing destruction. Gods that were recognized as bringing sickness and disease and all sorts of things. And the way that the people worshipped or dealt with evil gods is by trying to buy them off or by trying to appease them so that they would not harm them. Okay? They knew that these evil gods had the potential to bring bad things on them, so they would worship them or deal with them by trying to offer gifts and sacrifices and offerings to try to appease these evil gods so they would not bring any sickness or disease or, or bad things upon them. But what they did not know was that who they were really dealing with was the devil. The evil gods that they thought that they were trying to appease was really just the devil who was trying to destroy them. 
But God, during the Old Testament, didn't want to draw any more attention to the devil than he had to. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but there is very little mention. Now, there's some, but there's very little mention of the devil in the Old Testament. Very little. And the reason is because we, that we hadn't come to the New Covenant yet where Jesus comes. And so a lot of the times, or the majority of the times, God didn't want them to fear the devil so God would make it look like that He would be the one that was doing all of the bad things so that they would fear only God. I know that sounds confusing, but just, just go with me. I'm going to prove this to you here in just a second. So God didn't want to draw any more attention to the devil than He had to, specifically during the time of the Old Covenant. So when you read about all these bad things that are happening to the Israelites, you almost get the sense that God is the one who is doing it, but that's not the case. God wasn't doing it to them directly. He's trying to keep their attention on Him so that they don't start fearing the devil. If they know who's really behind it, they're going to start fearing the devil rather than having a fear or respect for God. So God is trying to take responsibility here so that these people don't get trapped in some sort of trying to appease the evil gods and follow these other people who were doing this too. God wanted to protect the children of Israel by saying, keep your focus on me. God is essentially saying, when he says, I'm going to send poisonous snakes, God is essentially saying, I'm going to take responsibility for this because I want you to fear only me. So in the book of Isaiah that we just read there in chapter 54, God says, I created the blacksmith. I created the one who works good things with his hand. And I also created the spoiler, the one who destroys, the one who brings evil. Now, did God create evil? No, this raises a question. I know, so I want to answer this. God created Satan as Lucifer, a beautiful angel who became full of pride and tried to overthrow God's kingdom and try to become God Himself. And then He was, was cast out of heaven and, and He became Satan. So, but, but what God is saying here in Isaiah, He says, I created the blacksmith who works good things with his, with his hands and I also created the spoiler, the one who destroys. And what God is saying through Isaiah here is He's saying, since I created Him, I am responsible for Him. And since I'm responsible for Him, I'm going to deal with Him. I don't want you to worry about Him. I am going to deal with Him. I will defeat Him and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. God is saying the devil is out there. He is going to try to attack you, but I am going to deal with him. And He was saying, I'm the one who permits these things to happen, but if you'll walk with me and keep your eyes on me, it won't come anywhere near you. But if you don't obey me and you don't follow me, and you don't walk with me, then that puts you over here on the devil's territory. And he's going to destroy you. But I'm going to take the blame for it because I don't want you to worry about or fear the devil. Now in the New Testament, we read something completely different about the devil and sickness. In the Old Testament, when you read about sickness and disease, there's not much, if any, mention of the devil. But in the New Testament, when you read about sickness and disease, especially when Jesus is dealing with it, we learn who the author of sickness and disease is. There are several places 
in Scripture that talks about Jesus healing those who were vexed of the devil, who were oppressed of the devil, who were bound by who? By the devil. In other words, the New Testament exposes who the author of sickness and disease is. And guess who it's not? It's not God. It is the devil. So Scott, why, why the change? Why in the Old Testament does God take the responsibility and deals with it? And, but why in the New Testament does He show us who the, the author of sickness and disease is? Let me tell you why. It's because now, as since the New Testament, since Jesus has come to the cross, now people are going to be able to do something that they have never been able to do before. They're going to be born again. And they are going to have the power and the authority to deal with the devil that they did not have in the Old Testament. Old Testament believers were not spirit-filled. Old Testament believers did not have the power and authority to deal with the devil. That's why God made it look like it was him that was causing all this stuff to happen. Because he didn't want them to fear the devil. So he says, I'll take responsibility for it. You keep your eyes on me. I'll deal with him. But now we see in the New Testament is different than the Old Testament because the New Testament exposes who the author of sickness and disease is. And as spirit-filled believers, we now have the power and the authority to deal with the devil on our own. It's now our responsibility to rebuke the devil and the attacks that he plots against us. Now this is, I don't know if you've ever heard a teaching like this. But I'm telling you, this will challenge your thinking, but it'll get a, if you get a hold of it, I believe that you're going to start begin to see healings and manifestations and breakthroughs and miracles in your life. Now let's go back to this Old Testament story in the book of Numbers 21. We're, we're going to learn how to use our faith to receive our healing. God's people were being bitten by these venomous snakes, and, and many of them we're dying. Well, look what happens in verse 7. Then the people came to Moses and they cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away these snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, watch this, here's the, here's the cure, here's the antidote. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply do what? Look at it. That's very, very important. All who will live if they will simply look at it. Verse 9, so Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could do what? They could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now real quickly, skip over to the New Testament. Let me show you something. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says this, Remember I told you these Old Testament stories, they really happen, but they're pictures and types and shadows of what Jesus would accomplish and do for us at the cross. Watch this. Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, who, who's he speaking of? Himself. So shall I be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him or looks upon Him will have eternal life. And then he goes on to say the famous verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Lord was saying that just like the replica of the deadly serpent, I will become the offering for your sin. 
And by looking upon Him, by trusting upon Him, we are saved. We learned this word last week. That word saved is the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means to be made completely whole, to be healed. Now there is a parallel that can be drawn between this Old Testament story and what Jesus has done for us at the cross. The Israelites were protected by looking at the serpent on the pole. We, as believers, are protected from sickness and disease by keeping our eyes upon Jesus. And there is a principle here that is foundational to receiving your healing. And here's the principle. Faith is determined by focus. Faith is determined by focus. Faith is determined by what you're keeping your eyes on. Faith is determined by what you continuously look at. If you are constantly looking at other people's negative experiences, if you are constantly looking at other people's negative outcomes, if you are constantly Googling your symptoms and believing for that you, you have the worst then you are not focusing on the right thing. Your focus is misplaced. And faith is determined by focus. The Bible tells us to focus on the Word of God. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20-22 through says this, My son, give attention to... What does that mean? It means to focus. Everybody say focus. Are y'all with me? My son, give attention to my words. Focus on my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. What does that mean? Focus. Don't don't let them depart from you. Keep your eyes fixed upon the word. Focus. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Watch this, verse 22. Why do we need to do this? Because they are life to those who find them and they are health. This is the Bible, y'all. Y'all. This is, the, this is the Word of God. Focus on them. Do not let them depart from your eyes for they are life to those who will find them and they are health to all their flesh. That word health there is the Hebrew word marpe. I think I'm saying that right. If not, it doesn't matter. But it means remedy or medicine. What's, what's God's Word saying? That, that, he's saying, my Word is medicine to your flesh. It's, it's life. It's the life you're looking for. It's the remedy. You've got to focus on it, though. You've got to pay attention to it. You gotta, just like a medicine, you, it does you no good if you don't take it or use it. He says, my word is literally medicine for your body. Scripture says to attend to my words. Focus on them. Now listen, please hear my heart. I am not trying to upset anyone this morning. I'm not trying to offend anyone this morning. I am trying to help you get healed. That's why I teach this stuff. Because I want to see you get healed. I want to walk in complete health, so I study this stuff. So when I, when I say what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to offend anyone or upset anyone. I, I'm, I'm trying to get you healed to help you receive your healing. And what I want to say is, is that the only time, if the only time that you're seeing God's Word is when we project it on a screen on Sundays, you're not paying attention to His Word. You're not inclining your ears to His Word. 
You're, you're not keeping his, his word in, in your focus. Are you hearing me this morning? It's, it's medicine. It's, it's, it's take daily. It's to use daily, to take it and apply it to your life. You say, well, Pastor Scott, I can't really understand the word. You know, I don't understand how medicine works, but if I'm prescribed it, I'm going to take it. Just read it. I, I believe. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking to me about, you know, I would read, but I just don't understand it. I'm going to be honest with you. There's things that I don't understand about the word. But I can tell you this, if you'll just read it, I believe that God will honor your faithfulness and your commitment. Just get it inside of you. And one of these days, that you're going to have revelation. One of these days, the light bulb's going to come on. You're going, oh, that's what that means. But just read it. Just get it inside of you. You have to get the Word in you. It's medicine for your body. It's medicine for your soul. It's medicine for your mind. And as you begin to get into the Word, you begin to understand how it works. You'll start to understand how to pray if you happen to get sick. You understand how to pray for others who are sick. You'll stop asking God to do something that He has already done and that He's given you the power and the authority to do yourself. So what I want to do now is I want to kind of change, not platforms, but just I want to shift and I want to talk about four steps. And these are... There may be more, and that maybe there's maybe there's more I need to add to this. But this is what I felt that God wanted me to share with you: four steps to receive in your healing. Four steps to receive your healing. Number one, you have to know it's God's will for you to be healed. You have to know that. It's interesting. I'm I'm speaking this. We watched um, a movie last night, the movie Breakthrough, um, and uh, they they were. It's based on a true story, and I don't know how they prayed, but in the movie they were praying, and they're praying for this boy, and and the pastor's words were, "God, if it's your will," and it just it just struck a a sour you know note in my heart. I'm like, "What do you mean? It's you know it's God's will." We 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 spent an entire Sunday talking about it's God's will to heal everyone, folks. If you want to receive a healing, you have to know it's God's will for you to be healed. If faith begins where the will of God is known, if you, don't, if you don't know that it's God's will for you to be healed, it's impossible to have faith. And faith is how we receive. Anything we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to be healed, you're not going to be healed. You can't exercise faith. You have to know that it's His will. Secondly, you have to know that the healing is already in your spirit. As a believer in Christ, your spirit is made brand new. God's spirit lives inside of you. And you have to know, we, we, I think this was in week number two. Um, yeah, Ephesians 1.3, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything that we need that, need that pertains to life and godliness it has been given to us through Christ Jesus. It is in our spirit. We are healed. We are whole in our spirit. You have to know that you already have it. It's not something that you don't have that you need God to give you. It's already there. Now this will change the way that you pray. It will change the way that you fight the fight of faith. Because you know that you're not a sick person who's trying to get well. You're a well person who the devil is trying to make sick. So now instead of trying to get a victory, you're coming from a place of victory. 
There's, a, there's a, an example. When Peter and John were, were coming to the temple to worship, there was a lame man sitting outside. And the lame man was begging for alms. He's asking for money. And Peter and John, they looked at him and said, we don't have silver and gold, but, but something I do have, I have. I'm not going to ask God to give it to you. I have it. I'm going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but did they pray for this man? No. They exercised the, the, the power and authority that had been given to them by the Lord. Remember, we read this, that the Lord had given them power and authority over all demons and over all types and manners of sickness and disease. Now, was it Peter and John doing that? I mean, it wasn't their own power. They was exercising faith. And it was, the, it was the Lord's power working in them. But my point is, is that you already have it. You simply have to learn to release it, which is the third thing. You have to release your healing. Release your healing. Scott, what does that mean? How do you do that? Now listen, 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 listen carefully. You release your healing with your words and with your thoughts and with your actions. In other words... Have you ever heard the saying, I know you have, but it's a rhetorical question. Have you heard the saying, um, actions speak louder than words? You can say you believe, and you can, you, can, you can say that you have faith, but if your words and your thoughts and your actions don't align with your words, then you don't have faith. Faith without works is dead. In other words, it's not faith. So what I'm teaching you here is to, to release your healing. You, the Bible says there's life and death in the power of your tongue. You, you've got to learn to speak the Word of God. And if there's negative thoughts, the Bible says that there's uh, uh, to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you've got, to ca- you've got to cast that out. That thought is not of God. Now listen, I'm not just talking about positive thinking here. I'm talking about speaking the Word of God. What does the Word say? And you've got to learn to release your healing by speaking those words of life. By acting in such a way that your actions line up with with what you're saying. Yeah, I believe God. Well, okay, your actions are saying something differently. You've got to act in such a way. You've got to think in such a way. You've got to speak in such a way that lines up with your with your faith, with your, with, your, with your belief. Once again, faith is how we access our healing. Jesus told the blind man in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, He says, your faith has healed you. In other words, you released your healing because it was your, your faith, your actions. You didn't just believe. I mean, you acted upon it. You reached out to me. Your faith is what releases the healing in your life. So know it's God's will to be healed. Know that the healing's already in you. And then learn to release your healing. And then here's the fourth thing. Now it's going to get a little bit more um, self-responsibility is going to set in a little bit more. Okay, We've got to ask God to reveal any hindrances. Ask God to reveal any hindrances. And th- this gets tough, okay? but, but I'm, I'm here to help you. There are some times where we're praying, we're believing God for things, but the things that we're doing or the things that we're not doing is, is clogging up our heart. 
And our heart, I wish I had a diagram to explain this. You have your spirit, man, and then you have your, your mind, will, and emotion. You have your soul, but, but your heart is the filter for how you hear from God. Your, your heart is a filter for the life of God getting inside of you. Okay? Everything that you need that pertains to the life of godliness is in your spirit, man. But if your heart is clogged up, if your heart has hindrances in it, it's, it's going to prevent the life of God from flowing in you. So Scott, what are some examples of some hindrances? I'm glad you asked, because let me share with you some common hindrances. Here's the first one, bitterness, unforgiveness, and holding grudges. These are, listen to me, these are hindrances to your prayers. These are hindrances to receiving your breakthroughs. These are hindrances to receiving your healing. Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this, When you are praying... First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins as well. There's another place Jesus says, if you're presenting your offering um, at the altar and, and, and you remember that, that you're not at peace with someone or maybe you haven't forgiven someone or maybe you've been in a fight, He says, I want you to stop what you're doing. Just, just forget about offering the sacrifice, and you go and be reconciled. You go and make peace with that person. Then come back and worship me. In other words, I believe what God was saying there was like, listen, you can try to worship me and you can try to get me flowing in your life, but until you make things right, until you begin to get rid of these hindrances, these grudges, this unforgiveness, this, this bitterness, this hatred, this spite, whatever it is, my, my blessings are, are being stopped from flowing in your life. Some of you, I just feel like somebody needs to hear this morning. It's that your breakthrough hasn't come this morning because you're harboring unforgiveness. Bitterness, a grudge. Maybe it's a grudge against your ex-spouse. Maybe it's a grudge against your employer. You got to deal with that. It's a hindrance. Another common hindrance is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. In other words, the, the Lord, is, He's already healed you through Jesus, but the reason it's not being released in your life is because you have sin that you haven't confessed to Him. And it's, it's clogging up the filter. But let me show you a couple of places in Scripture. Psalms 84.11 says, The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right, those who walk in integrity, those who follow My Word. Now we know that sin is anything that's contrary to the Word of God. So when we're not doing what's right. We're not following the Word of God. And we sin, and we all sin. Okay, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm perfect. I'm not. We all fall short. But when we know we've sinned, we've got to confess that to the Lord. And sometimes we have to confess that to other people. Matter of fact, James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? <laughs> so that you may be healed. In other words, what Scripture is telling us is that unconfessed sin will keep you from your breakthrough. Unconfessed sin will keep you from your healing. Man, I hope this is an eye-opener for some people today. You feel like I'm doing the right things, I'm praying, God's just not hearing my prayer. Oh yeah, He's hearing your prayer. But you need to confess some sin because it's clogging your filter and keeping you from experiencing your healing. Here's another one, 1 John 3, We will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that 
please Him. So if you know, if right now the Holy Spirit's bringing something to your attention that you know that you're doing something that's not godly, you need to confess that. You need to repent of that. So that you can experience breakthrough in your life. You hearing me this morning? Here's a third thing, third common hindrance. Dishonoring others, especially your spouse. Dishonoring others. Now we're talking about healing, okay? I, I'm trying to teach you how to receive your healing. We don't think about this. But these, everything that I'm teaching you today, and I'm backing all this up with Scripture, sometimes it's, we're not receiving our healing because we're dishonoring other people especially our spouse. According to 1 Peter 3.7, it says this, In the same way, you husbands must do what? You must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Watch this. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. What is that saying? that our prayers are hindered when we're not honoring other people. Especially our spouse, even your parents. Children, obey your parents. Honor your parents so that you may live long and things may go well for you. Wait, listen, guys, I'm, this, is, this is practical stuff, but it's, it's, this is wisdom. It's, it's revelation knowledge that we need. We, we don't think about this. We want to come and we want to pray, God, I just pray that you would touch so-and-so. God, I pray that you would touch me. He's already touched us. There are some things that, that we are doing or things that we're not doing that we either need to start doing or stop doing so that we can unclog the filter so that life and godliness begins to flow in our lives. And one of those is showing honor. Honor your parents. Honor your, your spouse. Honor your leaders. It gets better. The fourth common hindrance. Here we go. Not taking care of your body. What are we talking about? A hindrance to healing. Sometimes we're believing God for a healing. We're asking God to heal us. And we've still got all these bad habits of not taking care of our bodies. Now this is... I, I, some of y'all are like, okay, Scott, you, you should have stopped with the third one. But God, I, I, I'm trying to help you, Okay. We have to talk about this. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not taking care of our, our, our bodies. Smoking, vaping, dipping, drinking, too much sugar. Unhealthy foods. Not exercising. I mean, you, you go you, on and on and on. Things that we do to ourselves. Diseases that we create by the choices that we make. And then we're asking God to heal us, but we don't want to lay down any bad habits. We don't want to change what we eat. We don't want to change what we put in our bodies. I, I'm telling you, I, I've had so much revelation on this, and I, we always bless our food. And there's been times you go to bless something like chocolate gravy. And it's almost like God being like, what an idiot. Really? <laughs> so we've changed it to like, God, thank you that we have something to eat today, you know. But, but my point is, is that some, so many times we're asking God to do things that He's given us wisdom to do for ourselves. Use wisdom. I won't spend a lot of time here, but, but, but I'm trying to tell you, I mean, so many things. I, I, I've, I've been in hospital visits before where someone is dying of cirrhosis of the liver. They've drank themselves to death. 
And one of the family members look at me and say, why would God allow something like this to happen? It, you know, and of course, that's not the right time to, to really speak your mind. But you're thinking, really? I mean, the lifestyle that you chose brought this on yourself. So let's, let's move off of this one. Fifth common hindrance, hindrance is not guarding the gateways to your soul, which are your eyes and your ears. Not guarding the gateways to your soul. Now this is, this is similar to not taking care of your body because this is something that you're responsible for. To, to be careful, as we used to sing in children's church, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little hands what you touch and what you do. Watch this. Let me give you Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, 23. Jesus says this. He says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Let me give you an illustration real quick, real quick and I'm going to close with this. You can, you can laugh, you can say this is silly, but I, I know what worked in my life. There, were, there was one time, and I was trying to figure this out, and it was when I was last teaching on healing. And I did a series called Christ the Healer. Some of you were here back in 2011, so it's been eight years ago. My son would have been in fourth grade. Um, he was experiencing constant headaches. Constant headaches. I mean, ongoing, 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 like all the time. We had took, taken him to the doctor and they wanted us to write down, okay, when he has a headache, write down what time it was, write down what he ate the night before, you know, 30 minutes before, whatever. I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy. And we were praying for him. And like I said, I was right in the middle of this teaching on Christ the healer and I was doing the right things. I felt I was doing the right things, trying to receive, trying to speak life, trying to do all these things that I just taught you. And it just seems like that the, out of the blue, one day, just as clear as can be, God says, it's the books he's reading. What? It's like, go ask him about the books that he's reading. Now, these are school books. I'm not here to talk about school books, but some things when, the, when you had to get points for AR and things like that, some of the books he would check out were a lot of books, like a lot of sci-fi stuff and a lot of sorcery and things like just just crazy stuff. And I'm not here to speak against those. I'm just trying to tell you, what God revealed to me, okay? And uh, I went and I talked to my son and, and I talked to him about the books that he's reading. I said, Seth, here's what I feel. I, I feel that the reason that you're not seeing this breakthrough is because these books that you're reading, it's, this, it's, it's, it's the gateway. It's, it's opening up. You're not guarding the gateway and it's, it's preventing you from getting healed. And we got rid of those books. And there was also a video game he was playing and we got rid of that. And I'm here to tell you that he, he received his healing immediately. Now I'm telling, you that, I'm telling you that this morning because some of you have prayed to your blue in the face. Some of you, you feel like that you're doing all the right things. And I'm here to tell you, step number four was we got to ask God to reveal any hindrances that are in our life. And when you pray that prayer and you ask God, search me, oh God, search my heart. Lord, if there's anything in my life, Lord, right now that's displeasing to you, if there's anything in my life that's keeping me from breakthrough, God, show me what it is. And when God shows you what it is, you're going to have to deal with it. And, I, and I, I believe this with all of my heart. If God exposes that to you and that's the only thing left that's preventing you from the breakthrough and you get rid of that hindrance, I believe that your healing is going to come. 
God's will is to heal you. As a believer, healing lives in your spirit. It's already yours. You have to learn to release it. And you have to learn to ask God if there are any hindrances that are keeping you from experiencing your healing. I believe that when we implement these practices in our lives, we will begin to see God's healing power at work. You believe that?